Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 99. Episode 100 is next week. It's all very exciting. Um, today's episode is with my friend Wes Monahan, who is fronts the band um, Suit Up Soldier, who just released their debut album a few days ago. So go and check that out. And um, yeah, I mean, nothing else needs to be said about that. Um, for my own news, I don't have really anything new to say. Um, I've just been hard at work on the new album. I've been in the studio so, so, so much the past few days. Um, and also like gigs are picking back up. So I've been, you know, performing a bit more. I have two gigs this weekend and I have, um, my first, um, original show in, I don't know, a really long time, um, next weekend, or I guess hmm, when you're hearing this, it'll be this weekend, this coming Friday. So if you live in Utah, um, and are interested in seeing me perform an original set of music, including some never before heard brand new songs from the new record, um, reach out to me. I'm so easy to find as you know, and I'll give you all the deets for the concert, or you can look on Facebook, um, search events. Um, anyway, should be easy to find. And if you can't find it, um, online, then yeah, just reach out to me and I'll, I'll give you the deets. Um, yeah. And then my first, um, kind of like live performance music video will be out in a couple of weeks. So keep your eyes open for that. I'm so excited about this new music. I'm really, really proud of it. And it's really good. <laughs> so I can't wait for you to hear it. But this episode is about Wesley. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him right now. Wesley Monahan eternalizes the timeless concept of being human through his quirky lyrics and thought-provoking themes driven by the ironic contrast between trauma and joy. His goal is to get audiences to ask themselves, what's the point of growing up? His current project, Suit Up Soldier, blends alternative rock and contemporary nostalgia through their recent debut album, Curse the Day I Act My Age. Death is an unintentional reoccurring theme throughout much of my work. This is a quote from Wes. I love hiding difficult topics in a peppy tune. Looking back, I think it was a way for me to unearth my suppressed desire to be reborn into some more authentic into someone more authentically me. In his spare time, Wesley is a performer, audio engineer, producer, and entrepreneur, and also my friend. So without further ado, here comes Wes. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. I love these little footrests. I know, it's so comfy. I spend a lot of time cute. in here, so I know. Good. <laughs> it's a cute little space. Do you have, is this your recording space then? Yeah. Well, no, I don't record like my my stuff here. I always go to June. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't know how to do that stuff. Right, right. Focus on your actual... <laughs> My actual strengths. The, yeah, like the skill sets that you've built over You know, so I long. would really like to be better check, at production, check, check. but... There we go. Yeah, I checked it last night and I just like had the session already, so we're already rolling. Oh, I love it. 
Because, um, you know, sometimes it's fun to capture the banter at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I would like to get better at production, but I, I think like more what I'd like to be able to do is like just record like little covers for like YouTube, you know, like just so I have kind of stuff for like my mailing list and like social channels when I'm not releasing like fully produced things. Right. Like I'd like to have like just enough, just enough production capability to like put snaps behind things and like record, you know, maybe some harmonies, like just kind of low key, Mm -hmm. um, like not the kinds of things that I would like release on Spotify and like pay licensing fees for, but like just right. Right. And maybe also like making like little demos for my students when they write stuff, but it scares me. I get like, I have like a block around it. No, I mean, me too. And like, I've been doing it for 10 years. <laughs> you so. do not have a block around it. <laughs> no, like <laughs> I, I mean, I just get in my own head sometimes, yeah. but, um, especially with my own music, but yeah. with, with other people's music, I can kind of look a little bit more objectively yeah. at like what, where things it could go. To go. Yeah. But my own music, it's like, man, I'm like, well, maybe I should experiment with these 10 other directions like synthesizers first. Yeah. yeah or whatever yeah i feel like i would drive myself insane if i was trying to produce my own music like mm-hmm. even if i was really good at it i just feel like i don't want to put myself through that <laughs> right that, like not that other people shouldn't but the torture <laughs> yeah at the end of the day i, I, really I struggle yeah i mean maybe maybe call me sadistic is that the right word <laughs> yeah i just i just like to put myself through i, I just love like sound yeah and like fair enough and like manipulating, you know, and, and problem solving too, when it comes to the mix, but like, but like in production, just like manipulating sounds to like behave in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I feel like I get that. I get that impulse, but like, to me, it feels like, I feel that about my voice. Like, I feel like what other like little like nuances can I do? Like how, you know, how exactly do I want this tone to sound? And if I try to think about like layering that on top of like the technology of it, I feel like it, my brain would explode. Mm. Like, it would be too much. Well, I mean, yeah. And even, even people that have been doing audio engineering and producing for years and years and years, you know, still have like, and me included, I just have so, so much to learn. So it's like, okay, do I really have the time? Like, is this something I want to dedicate my life to? Totally. It's insane. So. It's insane how much there is. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how many people like do it. Like it's just casual. <laughs> like right. when you see someone who's really good at it, it's like, oh, I shouldn't even like start <laughs> learning totally. this. Cause it's like, <laughs> there's so much to know. Um, do you have any questions before we like officially start? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'm really excited to interview you because I, well, because you're awesome. And also because it's, it's fun for me to interview people I already know. Um, so what I guess the one thing I'll say up front is, um, you know, I use the word interview, but it's really just more of a conversation. So you can just be chill. We can talk about whatever you want. Um, so I, I like to start though, by kind of getting an idea of what you were like as a creative child and kind of what your environment was like. So um, you can kind of talk about those things as separate things oh, or like as one li- thing. Oh, like literally as a kid? Like as a small child. Yeah, like before the age of like 10. Like as early as you mm. either remember or like have had, you know, your parents tell you. Just what were you yeah. up to as what a creative th- little Wesley? <laughs> what was I doing as a wee lad? Um, I think I, 
uh, I wasn't really doing music in a in a creative sense. Um, I I mean I took piano lessons um, for a couple of years, like from ages five to eight. Okay. Don't remember anything Just about what I learned, but yeah. um, and I it's piano is one of the instruments I I wish I could play. Um, but yeah, and I I think even as like I don't know visual art, music, and what other creative things like writing, uh, writing. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I just I can't I don't remember like what what yeah. I did creatively as a kid. Well, the, the reason that I'm interested in this is like I'm so fascinated by like the things that I think we kind of take for granted as adult creatives, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that we kind of just like do like, well, of course this is just what I do. And I, I love to hear artists like hear adult creatives, like reflect on kind of where those things came from. And I think it's easy to think like, Oh, well they came from lessons or like, you know, whatever. But I think usually it's much more like, well, I was just curious about stuff or like I was always digging holes in the backyard or like, you know, I just like, was like the kind of kid who was like looking for bugs. Like, so, you know, I, I, I totally just like from your perspective, like what do you feel like were kind of the earliest like evidence that you were a creative person? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. As you're, as you're asking me that question, I have vague memories of collecting things. You grew up in so Arizona too, right? I grew up, yeah, yeah. I grew up in Arizona. So every time I would find a rock that looked cool, I would co- yeah. add it to my collection. I knew you were going to say rock <laughs> because like I've had this same conversation with tons of artists because um, like we didn't have plants there. <laughs> like, nope. I've talked with other artists who are like from the East Coast about like, yeah, there was like a forest in my backyard and I would just like walk around and see trees. And I'm like, I was into rocks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really that's all we had. And. And, uh, I don't know. That's so funny. So I'm glad, glad to hear that I'm not the only one that collected (laughs) rocks as a kid, but. Well, I would also do things like, this is also maybe like, I've never thought about this before, but maybe this is so Arizona too. I would like find weird rocks and then like see what would happen if I like put them underwater or like if I put them in the freezer, like what they change. Oh, totally. The fascination with like, what will water do to it? Oh yeah. Oh man. I probably shouldn't tell you this story, but I had, my brothers had a video game. Um, I, maybe I was like somewhere between the ages of four and six. And I was like, what would, how, like the video game will change if I put it in water, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it wasn't a video game that, so that like funny. was uber important. What did you think was going to happen to it? I, I don't I just, I was under the impression that it would become a different video game. Yeah. That like the video game would be underwater. I don't know. That's so funny. Like, I think, you know how, like, you have color-changing dolls? Yeah. I think I just thought that it would become... But, like, the actual video game would change. (laughs) Like, that it would become a new video game, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. Well, that's, like, I think that's creative. Like, don't you think that's, like, not maybe a totally standard thought for a little kid to have maybe maybe not yeah i don't know and i yeah i mean my daughter i i try to sometimes like get into her head and be like why did you think this when you did this and um and yeah it's like little i'll have little memories pop up from things that she'll do be like oh yeah i could see why a child would would do that thing while they're exploring 
a subject for the first time. Totally. So like seeing that little, what were you going to say? Oh no. I, yeah. yeah. Um, and then tell me also like, what was the creative environment like? Like, are your parents creative? Like, do you have older siblings that are creative? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my brother, my older brother, I'm the youngest of seven kids. Okay. So all of my siblings are, yeah. I'm sure you've told me that, but I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't in the West file. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, so all of my siblings are going to be older. If I say my older brother, I mean, I don't have any younger siblings, but, um, my, my brother, Eric, he was kind of good at everything that he would pick up. Okay. Um, so, you know, I would watch him like draw or I'd watch him. He, he got into like kind of parkour type of okay. things like when yeah. as he got older and that I watched him so, do that. That was so that time. Yeah, totally. And he, like he would do like backflips off trees 2000s. and oh yeah, oh yeah. After, it was after that um, James Bond movie came out. Oh, I don't, I don't know where he, he I, got. You should ask him like, I his bet, inspiration. I bet that's what it was. Like, I forget which one it was. I think it was Casino Royale, but there was a bunch of parkour in the movie. Was he like a little boy or was he like a, a teen? He, well, he was, um, probably 12 at the time when he started between 12 and 14 and maybe, maybe 14. Cause he was in high school, I think 15, 16. I don't know. Yeah. So well, ask him, I've derailed you anyway. So continue. it was, it, and I, and he's four years older than me. So, okay. um, yeah, so I would have been, I probably would have been right before a casino Royale, but yeah. Who knows? He could have gotten some inspiration from James Bond. <laughs> we played that. We played the video game a lot as a kid. It's not the one you put in the water. No, <laughs> luckily I didn't ruin that one because we played that one a lot. Um, and so I, I there was, I, I watched him. I kind of always wanted to emulate him because people would tell me, Oh, like, are you Eric's brother? Mm. Like, because I looked yeah. most like him out of the, out of all the kids. Like we looked most alike okay. as younger yeah. kids. And so I always kind of felt like I had these shoes to fill because I was always quote unquote Eric's brother. Okay. And so I always looked, looked to him for, for like oh, what was cool. Like, Oh, like he's drawing, like that's cool. And yeah. he's, um, and he's really like coordinated and he's re- and you know, he got into volleyball. So I played volleyball and, yeah, sure. um, and I also had, uh, sisters who, played piano and were really good at piano. They, they're the ones that taught me lessons when I was okay. uh, That's really young. Yeah. And, um, so that was fun. I wish I had continued and then so there was lots of creativity. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Around. And my, my oldest brother, he was in the Phoenix boys choir, Okay, which is like a really yeah. prestigious, great choir, um, youth choir. And, you know, my parents paid for, that and so by the time it got to me my parents didn't pay for for for, you know those things anymore but I at least had like uh, examples to look to so I I mean I didn't start really singing until I was maybe I I mean I I had sung in like church choirs and things like that but but like really singing on like a solo level or in like a small ensemble level I was probably 18 okay okay and so I I got into music really late um but I do remember, I do have one memory of being, of taking piano lessons and getting distracted from the material in the books and yeah. trying to write my own things on the piano. Yeah. And that was my first, and I like, I remember like after I wrote that thing, I like wanted to show everybody. Yeah. 
How old were you when that happened? Do you think? Uh, that was probably, I was probably eight years old. And how did people respond? Like, how did your siblings and parents? Were they like, oh, this is different, or were they like, this is par for the course for like our kids? I mean, my I I think who maybe they were just being nice, but I my my I do remember my sister in law being like, oh my gosh, that's so good! Like, yeah. I can't believe you're just like making up your own stuff. Totally, and, you know. And so that's that's definitely encouraging yeah. to be like, oh, I can make up more things. You know, one thing I've been thinking about so much recently is like, I'm really curious about the kind of distance between like reality you know like if you're a little kid and you like think that you like made something that's like amazing right (laughs) like is it like what's more valuable like the reality of like whether you have you know talent or whatever or just the fact that you as a kid are like i made this thing and like how you feel about it yeah like your personal experience with that thing versus like totally the reality of okay like (laughs) people actually like whether you are actually like doing something interesting yeah right what do you think Oh, so, so repeat the question. I don't know. Like, just do, do you think, do you think it's, it's, um, like, I don't know if it's more significant or like more interesting if like as a child, you know, your little creative personality is actually like kind of shiny and special or whether it's more just like you're kind of a normal kid, but like your experience of your own experience yeah is well, like heightened somehow well and i know i know as an adult that it's important to be validated or yeah it's it's nice to be validated yeah. in your art and so as a kid you know i think that is extremely important in your personal journey but it's but i like is the thing that's creative the thing that you did as a kid or is the thing that's creative imagining that the thing you did as a kid is like really great. Right. Right. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And I, I know, I know what you're talking about and it's, and it's like, man, I don't know because why did I, yeah. Cause you look, I, I look back on things I did. And I'm like, why did I think that was so cool. Like, yeah. cause it's like, you it have wasn't a that vision cool. Of like what you could do. Yeah. Was there some, was there it like was a like a little feather. Now? It was a like a fuzz. feather. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, as long as it wasn't a spider. No, you're good. I, I didn't see any any legs. Any legs, great. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've been thinking about that kind of thing a lot lately. Like, just you know, is creativity like making stuff, or is it this kind of like meta thing that just like lets creative people like try things that maybe other people wouldn't, or I don't know. Yeah, I think I saw in in the document that you had sent me just kind oh, of yeah. as an outline. You had ask something about prodigy, you know, the difference yeah. between, you know, like how important is it? Like how important is talent? Is ta- yeah, yeah. Versus, you know, just being yeah. naturally or a just prodigy. caring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's lots that you could talk about around that. I think, I think just my general thought around it is that, um, that mainly it's, Well, there's, there's two main factors, I think. And there's one that's exposure to those things. Okay. And then the other factors like, you know, how, how important is it to the people who are guiding you through your early years? Right. Um, Please expound. Yeah. So (laughs) please say more for, for me. So like I said, like my, my parents, you know, they, they invested in my older brother yeah, and which is why he has a really 
healthy, full, trained voice. Mm. My first vocal training was at BYU. In college, yeah. I'm I'm 24, 23, or whatever, whatever time I got into the program. And, you know, that was my first vocal lesson. Wow. As a singer. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, but my, my, yes, I did have the examples of all my older siblings to be able to kind of start to explore what the voice could do. And, and, and I also had the examples of all the music I listened to. Yeah. Um, you know, so for a while I, I sang more like all of the emo artists that (laughs) that I listened to growing up because that was like my formative teenage years and trying to channel the fray. Oh yeah. The so hard. Oh, just any, anything emo punk, just like yellow card. I was, it was, you know, that was kind of the way I would sing. And then I, you know, was opened up to more opportunities at BYU. And so there, my, my parents, you know, just when you have seven kids, I, I, I have a hard time parenting one child. So I can't imagine having seven human beings to be responsible for and responsible for their, their creative growth and just their growth in general. And so, um, for me, it was like, I, I couldn't be that, you know, quote unquote prodigy because there was no one really investing in my, in my creative future. Um, you know, when I expressed a desire to play drums, it was like, uh, okay. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, never happening. Yeah, yeah. We're not getting you a drum set. <laughs> so yeah. the, my, my one creative outlet as a kid that I had forgotten to mention was trombone. Yeah. Um, my, all of my brothers played trombone. Okay. So that's I got, random. why <laughs> my dad played trombone okay, in, in okay. the air force band. It's not random. Oh, he, oh, your dad's a professional musician. Yeah. He, okay. He, that he, seems important to note. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was, um, he quit at the age of like 21. Maybe. Okay. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's big, but he, yeah, he was in the air force band. He was really good and he continued, he kind of kept that. his chops up yeah. probably through his thirties. And then, then I didn't really see him play much after oh, that. Okay. But, um, I mean, that's huge. Like I would say, I mean, sometimes I think like how different my like path could have been. Not that I'm like unhappy with my choices, but (laughs) how different my path would have been if there had even been like a single person in my extended family who had been a professional artist of any kind. Um, Just, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I think even just the fact that your dad was in an army band, like, you know, that's a very potentially like stable career in a lot of ways. Like it's one of the more stable ways to be a professional musician and just like having that, you know, filed away of like, Oh, there are ways to be like, you know, um, like there are jobs for musicians. Even just that like fact being kind of like common, like family knowledge is probably kind of significant. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, if, if not conscious, you know, at least subconscious. Right. And yeah. Like it's like when you say you want to be a musician, it's not like insane. It, to yeah. The family. It's, it's not like, Oh, there's no money to be made in, in music. Or like because... you're going to waste your entire life. <laughs> like yeah. this dramatic thing, which is really interesting because so my, my, uh, probably the thing that inspired me the most to like be a musician, especially kind of like where I am now in the, um, 
exploring like rock and pop. And, um, my, uh, brother, Sean, who is now a dentist, um, (laughs) he's the singer. He, no. So that was Lance. Okay. Um, that Lance was the oldest one. Sean's the middle child. He started a band, a rock band when he was like 18, 17. Wow. And, uh, maybe, maybe younger than that, but I, but the year that I remember was like his like 18 year old self practicing guitar hours and hours per day, you know, and I have a memory of being really sick and in bed and him practicing the same lick over and over (laughs) (laughs) in the the room next to me, (laughs) but still thinking like, Oh, that's cool. Like he's nailing it. That's awesome. And he's kind of significant too. Yeah. That, that was especially significant for me to want to like start to pursue or at least explore music and want to, to get, I mean, at the time, since, since my only outlet was trombone was to get better at trombone. So I was always like first chair. I I actually don't remember a time that I wasn't first chair, like not to like, no, no. (laughs) I mean, people do this, (laughs) this thing that you're doing of like, not to brag like all the time in here. And I always just feel like it's not bragging. Like it's just the truth of what like happened in your life. And yeah. And also like when you're a kid, you're like allowed to be like so proud of that kind of thing Mm -hmm. in a way when you're an adult, you're like, I get that it was the junior high band. Exactly. And I, I'm like, but you're allowed to own that as an adult. Yeah. And I'm like, man, why did I care so much? But I, I mean, I practiced like sometimes two to four hours a day just on trombone. Do you ever think about that now as you're thinking about like, sometimes I struggle so much like with my students talking about like what practice is like supposed to be like, like when you're talking about your brother, I think even just having this little nugget of like, this is what practice is like, this is what practice looks like. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is so valuable. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of people don't ever realize it. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I think about how many people I've known personally who like, embark on careers in music like they declare a major in music and then they drop out and they kind of say it to you like oh it just wasn't practical and it's like you never practiced ever <laughs> you know? yeah like, yeah like maybe they kind of even as like someone who like thought they were pursuing it like kind of never mm-hmm. practiced well and there's just multiple ways to pursue music because it's because a lot of pursuing music isn't musical and sure. so what do you mean? I mean, I think I know what you mean, but will yeah, you articulate it? I mean, just like the business sense, right? right. Like just, uh, um, branding and br- yeah. And your person, your artist identity, like even I if you're just so a- badly to talk about these things with you, <laughs> go, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, and, and one thing I was going to say is that I, I didn't have the, for whatever reason, I didn't have the, um, encouragement as a kid to pursue music. Okay. My, it was always like, Hey, get your homework done. Stop playing guitar. Um, well, I shouldn't say always, you know, I should say more for my senior year because that's when I picked up the guitar. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, when I'm experiencing like the senioritis and, and, um, so I picked up the guitar at 18 and, or maybe like 17 and I was playing in my bedroom instead of doing my homework. And yeah, you know, to my parents that was like, Hey, you need to stop wasting your time. Yeah. I, I never really heard my parents say like, Oh yeah, you could live, make a living in music. Yeah. And that extended through college as well okay. until I got into the music program. Okay. 
And then it was, then it started to become a reality for my parents. Like, Oh, he's like actually doing yeah. this. Um, because all of my other siblings had, you know, quote unquote quit music or at least right. weren't doing it professionally. Like they, your parents didn't maybe have this kind of vision that like you might actually like yeah. really go there. It, it was just like a, kind of a hobby for all of my other siblings. Right. Um, right. at least at this point in sure. their life. And even, so for even one, if it was like a high hobby, like a, mm-hmm. like a high quality hobby. Exactly. It's something that definitely took a lot of, took up a lot of their time, but to, to use as a form of, you know, making money and supporting a family that that's, there was really not a lot of belief that that was a possibility. Some of that is so Mormon too. Yeah. Like this, even just this phrase, like supporting a family, like people who aren't from like this kind of culture would just like never even it's not even a thought that people have. Yeah. You know? or, or just, or it's just like a faint, like, Oh yeah. Like it's like, can you support yourself? Guess, like, can you yeah, survive? Like, right. which is a totally different thing. I mean, like that's a fully different question. Like, mm-hmm. can you like, you know, live in a shitty apartment in New York? Like mm-hmm. that's a really different thing than like, can you buy a, you know, 2,500 square foot house in the suburbs and have six kids. Like mm-hmm. that's just a really, that's just a really different vision. Yeah. Yeah. And as I've kind of delved into it, you know, I hear the stories a lot of like, yeah, how long can I live off my credit card in New York? Like yeah. before, before I, you know, quote unquote make it or at least right. start seeing an income. Yeah. And like both are hard, but like when totally. people in like the culture that we come from and, and I don't think it's just Mormon, it probably just, patriarchal and really religious um you know say things like supporting a family like they're they're thinking like you need to be making like you know 130 grand a year Mm -hmm. which like maybe you just don't (laughs) you know maybe that's not what you need (laughs) right exactly like maybe (laughs) Maybe you'd rather make a lot less and make music and Mm -hmm. have one child you know or Mm -hmm. or none or you know yeah and i've thought about that a lot like just I, man, I've, I, I spent my early twenties, like trying to get rich quick, I think. Yeah. And joined some MLMs. Yeah, you're kind of a hustler. And I like to think I, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I still am. I think but, you are. But, yeah. in, but I, but I definitely have redirected my energy. More creative now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause before it was like, okay, like how can I like, I don't know. I just had all these like expectations of what a strategy would look like to yeah. to get financially I think I'm, free me too yeah and um it hasn't been that way and i've realized wow you know i can sustain myself off of very little yeah. and i've learned you know that that although like it may not be gr- it may not be glamorous to yeah. be eating ramen for dinner yeah that like i will if i have to and those are where your values are yeah i was just thinking about this this morning actually like cuz i think I think we're probably really similar, but like just there's a couple of different things in the mix. But like, I think I did the same thing, only I kind of nailed it for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, Like by the time Andrew finished his PhD and like he wasn't working, like I had saved $200,000. That's freaking awesome. It's crazy. But also like I wasn't living in my values at all. Like I was hustling and I was, all my money was coming from music stuff, but like it didn't feel creative. It didn't feel authentic. Yeah, Yeah. And like I make a lot like significantly less now, but I'm like way happier. Like mm-hmm. I feel way more fulfilled. Exactly. And that's not just because like Andrew has a job now, you know, like, right. like I think even if he didn't like, or even if, you know, he was making less than he's making, I would, st- I still feel like I had this epiphany of like, oh, I would rather make less than even like I can make doing music. 
Right. Even hustling music. Like, I think I would rather make less and create more, you know? Exactly. But I think our our culture kind of takes that entire possibility, Mm -hmm. like, off the table. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what debt was like until I was married, 26. Yeah. Because I didn't have any. And I, I was a successful salesman. Yeah. And... That's how I sustained myself. But really interestingly enough, it took me away from music because, you know, I'd go out and do summer sales focusing so hard. And the summertime is like the main time to be performing as, as a performing musician. Yeah. So, um, I, I kept telling my, there was like probably three years in a row where I kept telling myself like, I have to step away from sales. I have to step away from sales. Like, and I couldn't, I just, I couldn't do it because like I I like craved that paycheck. You're and, fixated on kind of a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not and, that yeah. it's wrong to like plan and try to stay out of debt, but no, like, no, no. yeah, having that kind of balance. I think for those of us who like, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm making some assumptions about how you feel about yourself, but I think for those of us who kind of feel like, you know, our artistic and creative identities are like really important. Um, those values are just maybe going to be a little bit different from, you know, maybe someone who pursues accounting, which is fine. Um, But like part of what I like to talk about on this podcast is like just that very fact that like sometimes we just want specific things (laughs) that are just like maybe not what other people would just assume. Yeah. I, and I think for most of my twenties, I thought I knew what I wanted. Yeah. And now in my thirties, I'm like, actually developing same. an authentic yeah. view of what I really want. Yeah. I think of like I'm, I'm the same from, from deep within. Yeah. You know? Well, I have some, like, I, there's a couple of things that I like really want to talk about with you, but before we get there, I want to like clarify one thing about like your teen years, mostly because like, this is the time where you're kind of like, well, anyway, I won't preface. Um, so <laughs> you've said a couple of things, like you've talked about, you, you've said, you know, you picked up guitar really late, you picked up singing really late, but then also you were like really serious about trombone and practicing two to four hours a day and being first chair. So I, I think, I don't know, like specifically what my question is, but I want to know like where these things meet of like, you Mm. are kind of an advanced young musician, but then you also feel like you're behind. That I started late, right? Yeah. Like what's how, why? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. It's like, I think trombone is so niche. I feel like, yeah. like well, how long were you serious about that? Maybe that's like, yeah. So I, I played trombone from fifth grade until my sophomore year of high school. Okay. So and did you feel, how old are you when you're in fifth grade? Like 10? Yeah. And then 11, sophomore yeah. year I was 16, yeah. 16, 17. So yeah, maybe 16. I mean, like when you were serious about trombone and like really valuing that, did you have the thought at that time, like maybe I'll pursue music? I don't know. I, I guess I didn't think much about my future in music at the time. I think there were maybe things in the back of my mind like, yeah. oh yeah, like in college I'll continue to play trombone. or okay. And I especially thought that I would continue to play trombone all throughout high school because okay. I was so dedicated to it. Right. But then I moved high schools. Okay. And this you know, makes sense. it was a big change for me to like leave behind like all my friends and, and all of, and that music program at Gilbert high school right. that was like really, you know, advanced. Adva- yeah, yeah. Advanced. It's prestigious. Yeah. And then I, and then I left to, um, I went to a new school, Basha high school. It was okay. like, it had just opened up. Yeah. 
Um, I think I was the second or third graduating class. And so it was a really young music program. I remember like walking by. Disillusioned. Oh yeah. I walked by the band room and I was like, Ooh, Ooh, lots of shitty band <laughs> yeah, I was like, I this is not something I want to be a part of. And not only that, but I but then once I was at a new high school, they had all these um extra requirements for me to graduate sure. that I didn't have at my previous high school. And so I was like, well, I I guess the one thing that has to give is is band. So I spent my okay. junior year just like not doing really anything with music and I basically put down the trombone and okay. then my senior year, um I had a buddy that really encouraged me to join like we would kind of jam together as friends and and you were jamming on piano were you um, jamming on piano or guitar I wasn't the one playing those instruments it was I would just like sing along with whatever they would play and we eventually started like our first band together so before you switched high schools can -hmm. you tell me what your relationship with music was like like if you weren't thinking like oh I'm going to pursue this like what was about, like, why were you motivated to practice? Like, Mm. why was it valuable to you? I've, I've actually kind of been thinking, um, about this just in, in general with life. It's like, why was I motivated to do anything? Like I'm kind of having, I'm kind of going through this like existential existential episode (laughs) and I'm like, why was I motivated to do anything? Kind of the same age, right? How old are you? I'm 31. Okay. I just turned 33 and I feel like I'm having this as well. Yeah. Like a <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. We can talk so, about it more, but yeah. let's get so, through. So, I mean, let's, so like yeah. I, th- I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I, I did it for the praise Okay. because I had, you know, I had a lot of, I had some big shoes to fill. Like my, um, people at my schools knew about my brothers. Yeah. So, you know, the first, the first introduction would always be like, oh, you're so-and-so's brother. Right. Yeah. I'm going back to the kind of what we were talking about, about at the beginning of the episode and like the, I, I wonder if maybe my motivations were for, to like seek praise and, yeah, to, and, and to for like people prove to prove yourself like, as like a, an equal or something. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just, I'm, I've always been really competitive. Okay. And so I, um, and, and I think sometimes that, that can, can maybe come off as ego. But it's more just like I don't see I'm you just that like, way. Yeah, Thank I, you. I, I in fact, that. even just hearing you say that you're competitive, I'm like, really? Like, because I, I totally don't see you that way. Yeah, I, I'm very. I'm actually still trying to shed like the my competitive nature in places that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. In places yeah. that it's destroyed relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, that's really important to me, and so I. As a kid, I was super, super competitive and I always, you know, being first chair was actually really important to me. So I yeah. wanted to make sure this that I why, practiced like your enough. adult self is like editing, like, I know it wasn't that important, but like I do, I think it's totally normal for like that kind of thing to be so important to like a totally undeveloped brain oh, of yeah. like a, you know, 11, 12 year old. Yeah. It's and an, it's a, it's an important part of like your developmental history mm-hmm. to have put like value in things that as an adult, you can look back and be like, that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And I was really yeah. proud of how good I got on the trombone. Yeah. And, and as I started to be able to view music more as a whole, instead of just my part, right, right, yeah. <laughs> then I was like, Oh wow. Like I really did develop. Like I, I would get compliments from like my jazz teacher in eighth grade. Be like, he'd always be like, I always know it's you play. Like I, he's like, I don't have to look at you because I, I know when you're playing, I can hear it in your tone. It's like, wow. he, yeah. he said he like would, he always liked my tone and stuff and and 
looking back, it's like, wow, like I really did like take the time to develop. I didn't know I was doing it, but I took the time to develop that nuance. A good, yeah. Like something that was pleasant to listen to. Maybe this is like totally a leading question, but like, do you feel like, cause I've, I've interviewed a lot of artists. Like this will be Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I've done, I think I've done about a hundred interviews, which is crazy. How long have you been doing this? Like a little over two years. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, so I hear people sometimes like telling me like they were good at something and like they didn't really know or care, like they're like drawing or writing or whatever. And adults in their lives would be like, like, this is really good. Like, and they would kind of be like, oh, like, okay, I guess I'm good. And then I feel like, I feel like I'm wondering if you're maybe a different kind of a thing, which is more like you felt like you felt good and like creative and valuable and like having someone having your teacher say to you, like, I know it's you playing. You feel like he really gets like something about you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I felt, I felt, you know, very validated through all those years of playing trombone because I would, you know, so, so, you know, imagine being like a seventh grader for instance, and your eighth grade peers are, you know, second, second, third, fourth chair (laughs) and your first chair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ego booster for sure. And, um, so I, I felt very validated throughout all those years that my teachers were, were, you know, praising me for having worked so hard. In fact, I remember one time, um, one of the, he, I was in symphony orchestra my sophomore year and, um, he was like a, not like an intern, but you know, those teachers, like a paraprofessional. Sure. Like he's like, it was like his, you know, one of his first times being able to like really conduct, okay. Um, the high school band. Sure. Um, and he, he pulled me aside. Yeah. It's like student teacher basically. And he, he pulls me and my friend aside because there was, a, there was like one week where I practiced with my other friend. I was like trying to help him through okay. uh, some of the parts and, and, you know, so naturally because I was practicing two to four hours a day, so was my friend. Right, he, right. And, um, he pulls us aside and he's like, Hey, um, your lips should be bleeding according to your, your, uh, practice record. Like you, I need you to stop lying on your practice record. <gasps> and he's like, this just isn't possible. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, there's like a few minutes here and there where I just was taking, was, it was downtime where I was kind of resting in between yeah. songs or like where Breathing, we would go get a like snack. Figure, yeah. But like ultimately I, we started practicing at 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. whatever and ended at 5 or, yeah. um, and he's just like, this is just kind of ridiculous. He's like, he, he almost had to like tell me to like practice less. Cause he was wow. like, I just feel like this is dangerous. Wow. And I was like, don't, I was like, oh, I'm used to this. Like yeah, I've been doing this a I long practice. time. Yeah. I feel like that's almost like a music ed problem. Like yeah. no offense in a broad regard to music ed, but I mean, I think if your teacher had been someone who had like, like if that teacher had been someone who had like a performance degree and got an ed certificate that conversation would never have happened. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and I, and I think he had a reason to be concerned sure. to ju- just be like, okay, like, am I seeing this right? Uh, yeah. But, um, but you were like, no, this is normal. Like this is the conditioning that I have. But yeah, I have yeah. that, but I have a very clear memory of, of him telling me that my lips should have been bleeding. And, yeah. 
And, um, but I, you know, had built up like that stamina. And so, um, interestingly enough, I, I think when I moved to like transitioned into something like guitar and songwriting, I I only picked up the guitar so that I could songwrite. I wanted to start writing songs. Okay. I was going to ask if you had started doing any of that before yeah i was i was maybe okay so maybe the first time i picked up guitar was like 16 but then i really started playing at like 17 ish and um so like composition wasn't part of your like trombone excellence yeah they were like separate yeah and i also was very afraid of improv too so like writing things like i remember i i wrote out i had to do one solo in jazz band Okay. And I literally tra- yeah. transcribed it because I was like, totally fine. I yeah. was so scared to try to improv. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the only thing I ever, you know, quote unquote wrote on okay. trombone. And so it just didn't, I, there was, it didn't feel like an instrument where you I felt could, inspired in that way. Yeah. Like to write. I mean, I just, were you doing any what, other like creative things like in your, in those kind of early teens, like writing poetry or drawing or. Oh, good question. Yes. So my, my first poetry that I, that I remember being proud of was when I was in fifth grade. Okay. Yeah. And so young. Yeah. And then I would kind of write poetry throughout. Yeah. So you're okay. So great. So you're developing this like technical music stuff in trombone. You're developing like a more kind of like artistic creativity in writing poetry and maybe prose. Like writing words. Sure. Yeah. And I and I didn't excel in English. Okay. Um, I mean, yes, I did like some of the AP classes or whatever, but I didn't ever really feel like I ex- I had excelled in English. I reading comprehension wasn't like super okay. great, um, and it wasn't until I started songwriting that 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 like writing as an art form became more important to me. Yeah. And I started to actually have I, I it might have been my senior year when I first had someone tell me that like I wrote a good paper and then okay and then in college when I was um took a persuasive writing class um that was another like you know kind of a um like evidence paradigm or, shift yeah, okay, for me okay. of like and yeah like evidence like being like oh I can write yeah like I never really thought that I was a writer It's so interesting the way that like, you know, your kind of inherent stuff uh, intersects with like just people in your life. Like things are so random. Like it's, you know, switching schools in this way is just like it's totally out of your control as a child. And, you know, whether you have a music teacher that happens to validate you or you could have just as easily had an English teacher that validated you. Like these things are just I don't know. I find it like so fascinating and also like a bit horrifying like how these external things can so dramatically change Change like your your development Mm -hmm. yeah and it makes me wonder like do we would we end up in like a similar place like or could it be like totally different it freaks me out i mean there's a part of me that it so yes there's like thousands of things that i could do right as in with my life yeah but there's for me there was like always these little nudges throughout my life that that if if I weren't paying attention that 
I wouldn't even realize that yeah. I was nudged in a certain direction, right? And like, and I don't and I don't mean just external things, but even internal can things. Can you give me where, an example? Yeah. So like, <laughs> um, I I have a really hard time with like authority and with like the nine to five job. Um, and, and and sure, maybe there's there's like factors of like brain development of like why I think and feel the way I do. Um, but I, I eventually kind of started becoming this like nonconformist in a sense, maybe okay. not extreme yeah. because I've always been like a perfectionist and wanted to please people. Right. I've yeah. been a people pleaser. And, and so I, I, but, but nonconformist in the sense of like, okay, what I was taught, do I have to do that thing? Yeah. And oh my gosh, I relate to that so much. Yeah, because I see. I think I see you as a rule follower. Like, I mean, when I met you, it was in the context of like I was your college professor, mm -hmm. right? And I always felt like like I didn't feel like you had an authority problem, <laughs> you know? Like, um, oh, I do though. <laughs> but I think I feel the same way. Like, I'm yeah. also like kind of a rule follower in a lot of ways, but I'm also like kind of an anarchist in a lot of ways too. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Well, and I think, and interestingly enough, it's like, because I followed all those rules as a kid and, and because I am generally like a rule follower, um, at first, it helps me understand like which rules right. <laughs> are kind of bogus. Which ones are totally. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. I could not agree more. Yeah. And, could not agree more. And so kind of that whole arc of being like, oh, well, I I, I, I gravitate naturally towards creative things like, you know, the poetry and the, yeah. and putting the video writing, game in water and it, yeah, stuff sure. like that. <laughs> and, and, uh, and with music and I'm just like always thinking of like musical licks in my head, whether they're yeah. my own or something Even that I like morphed off of. Business hustles were kind of creative and like random I'm business sure things. Like yeah. sales approaches were creative too. Like I'm sure that's why you were good at that or at least a part of why you were good at that. Yeah, I like to think I that I would try to mix things up yeah. and at least to fit what what felt best for me. Right. It's like, yeah, if someone had a different uh, sales approach that was working for them, great. But yeah. I but I needed like something that, that worked for me. Internal like permission to explore, like permission to experiment. That's like inherent. I yeah, I just I was never afraid to take risks maybe That's, I should reword no, no. that I'm like hearing you say that and going like I know exactly what you mean but also I know I know you're scared of plenty of things I yeah I have like really really bad stage fright yeah so even being a musician is like a huge risk <laughs> yeah but no but, tell me what you mean though because like I I mean I think I know exactly what you mean but like yeah. what kinds of risks do you feel like are just not an issue yeah I just anything that had to to deal with you know money under five hundred dollars I was not afraid to take that risk Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as you know, as long as I wasn't spending more than five hundred on yeah. on that thing, I was not afraid to take that yeah. risk. And maybe that's like a privilege thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, luck. But I, but I do feel blessed that I had that privilege to just yeah. explore. You know, for instance, like business things and and you know, getting into sales and um, whatnot. Well, yeah, I mean, like you're like taking a different sales approach is not a is not a money thing. It's just like a yeah, exactly. Hey, like. I'm going to try this other thing, even though like the script is, you know, the proven script is this other thing. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, so like not even a question. It's like 
I'm just going to try something else. Yeah. And I'm also highly motivated by challenges by like, by people trying to challenge me. Yeah. And so if someone's like, Oh no, you can't do that. Or like, like, Oh, oh, watch the level of petty I can be. Is that the like thing that you are calling competitive or is that a different thing? Um, it is part of my competitive that nature. that thing that you just said, I have that like hardcore too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not competitive, but if someone's like, you can't do this, I'm like, oh, oh, but now I really have to. Yeah. And I'm going to do it better than you like ever thought I could. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I have, I have that, other that things too. that I might, that I might tell you off record later. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> Great. I can't wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, anyway, I think we were talking about risk taking. I, I, I just, it was never... Um, I don't know, like maybe the way I was wired, I just, I, and maybe like my dad might've been a risk. T- I, I did see, I did watch my dad take risks and he always would recover. Mm-hmm. And so cool. I knew that like, even if I failed that, like I could recover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that has gotten me into some trouble, of course, but like at the same time, you know, I feel really blessed to, to call myself an entrepreneur and or freelance, you know, contractor, (laughs) yeah, freelancer, because, (laughs) because my friends who, I I mean, it's okay to enjoy a nine to five. Don't get me wrong. Like if, excuse me, if you enjoy a nine to five, that's totally fine. And if it's your thing, go for it. But if you're unhappy in a nine to five and, and, or you, get fired and yeah. you're and you get fired for really no reason and you're surprised it's yeah. like well you shouldn't be because that's you're not in control yeah as and and that always and that's another thing is like i i like having yeah that even though like freelancing can feel very ambiguous I mean, yeah like when we have a pandemic like we're not in control but i totally know what you mean but i can't fire myself yeah right 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 i'm, I'm the only person that's never going to fire you myself know, this is maybe this is different, but this is something. So Andrew and I are coming up on our 10 year anniversary, which what? That's so crazy. (laughs) We've been together 12 years and, um, you know, Andrew started out as a music major Mm. and switched to physics. Like he, he started out with a scholarship in jazz drums and like, I think he was a more serious musician in high school than I was maybe. And like, Mm. you know, I think he definitely had more support from his parents. And so was like, a lot more fully developed as a musician by the time he was starting college than I was. And I remember there being like a couple of conversations we had before we got married because we dated for two years and we, we met when I was in my senior year of my bachelor's degree. And then we got married, um, right as I was finishing my first year of my master's. And I remember there being some conversations we had during that time where maybe he was like a little bit like jealous or kind of like, well, I'm seeing you do this and like, you're already making money while you're still in school. And like, maybe I was kind of sold a lie that like, I couldn't do that. And like, he was kind of fraught about it. And it's been really interesting, you know, looking back now, like I think now he looks at how I run my job and he feels like I could never do that. Like I'm not cut out for that. And he really likes like his nine to five, like he really, really likes it. And it's been interesting for me because like, I know Andrew's a creative person and he's like an artistic person, but like not in the way that I am. 
which is just like, I don't know what my point is other than like, I think you're right that these things like it's easy for people to look at it and be like, oh, you just made a different choice. But I also think it might just be like you have different you have a different skill set. Like your personality is suited right. for a different thing. You have to be, you have to be very okay with ambiguity and yeah. with, you have to be self-motivated, mm-hmm. which and not everybody is. It, yeah. And, and creating kind of something from nothing. Right. I mean, quote unquote, nothing. Mm. I mean, but just this, just the fact that, that you could literally do anything, whether it's a musician or any other entrepreneurial freelancing venture, uh, you could literally, sell anything yeah. you could it could be your path to do yeah. to work in any field and and to to when you're a freelancer to do it in any way that you prefer i kind of use the i think of it like i like it when things are feel actionable like when i can take action and i feel like when i'm employed by someone else sometimes like things are not actionable like i have mm-hmm. to wait for permission or like you know someone's approval or you know and the my favorite thing about being a freelancer is like everything is actionable you can just like, do it literally any thought that i have i like if i wanted to i could act on it you know i mm-hmm. could take action there um yeah and there there will always be some limitations but that's actually what's that's actually kind of what creativity is is yeah. to is to take the confines to, right and that you have and and get creative yeah if andrew was listening to this he would be like yeah that's the thing that emily does that like i don't get because like he's very creative but like the ways that i'm like the ways that i will like pick pick apart like these actionable things on these giant projects like he he that's not intuitive to him Mm -hmm. like something that a lot of people would look at and be like i don't have the resources to do this i'm like okay well i have the resources to like pick at this corner of this project, you know, like yeah, so I have the resources to just like start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really, really interesting that you bring that up because it's, um, that ability alone, I think is kind of what makes an artist and or creative. Mm-hmm. So, or at least the kind that I am and you are. Yeah. Maybe. The kind, the kind that, <laughs> <Yeah>. pursues, <laughs> that just pursues it throughout their whole yeah. life and focuses on, yeah. I think some artists aren't as entrepreneurial as maybe you and I both are Mm. like some artists, you know, like, like, you know, someone who's employed by like the symphony or the ballet, like that's their kind of, that's a little bit different. Like they're still, of course, like a full artist in every sense of the word, but they're not like hustling in the same way. Yeah. I mean, their, their, or their hustle looks different for sure. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like their hustle is like, practicing every minute of every day mm-hmm. and like conditioning their body or, you know, whatever. Right. But and they're it's not, not like a, as much of a mental resourcefulness hustle. Yeah. They're not maybe as worried about like their brand because the symphony's kind of doing that for them. Right. Sure. So, yeah. Like um, it's, they're yeah. part of an institution in a way that's like a kind of like a nine five, but it's like high art, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Posh so, art. Yeah. Like really <laughs> advanced, like art, art. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, tell me the story of how you were like, I'm going to become a musician. Like how did, how did that thought happen? How did you like mm-hmm. kind of make that decision or like, you know, get to the point where you're like applying to the commercial music program? Yeah. Um, so I, um, uh, like I said, my brother was in a band and it always, 
frustrated me that he quit yeah. and did something else. Um, and I, one of my brothers burned a CD of an artist. The, the band name is May, M-A-E. And it's like this alternative emo rock band. And I, I, I like, you know, you just, you have a CD player in that time period, you have a CD player and you just put whatever CD in that you have available to you. And May was what was available to me. And it was two of their albums. Actually, they had just come out with their second one. And, um, that's when I started listening to both of these albums and I started to pick apart like everything that was going on in their songs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this is just such a work of art. I love this. Like I remember on first listen, it was like kind of hard for me to get into mm. and then like I wasn't used to it. And then as I got more familiar, I just, it beca may became my favorite band all throughout high school. And I listened to their records like almost exclusively you had to reburn the CD a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I think, I, yeah, probably you like four different yeah. copies. Yeah. And, um, so I think their concert that came through Arizona was like the first one that I had ever attended the first like rock concert that I've ever been to. Okay. And so that definitely sparked b between my brother's band and like experiencing the CDs at 14 that kind of definitely sparked an interest. And I was, I was also listening to, I have this small memory of listening to yellow card and being like, you know, they're like an emo punk rock band. And, and there was one song that I was like, Oh, I want to try to like sing that. I wonder how, what my voice would sound like. So I took like the tape recorder yeah. that we had and recorded my voice into it. And I was like, Wait a minute. Oh my gosh, I sound really good. <laughs> no, it was actually the opposite experience oh. at first. I was like, why do I sound so terrible? Oh. And I was like off pitch. Yeah. And I was like, this is nothing. Like, why am I not creating the same sound that I'm yeah. hearing? And so then I started to practice. And then like, I think I got to the point where I recorded the part that sounded good. And I was like, yeah. okay, like, okay. So I'm not, I'm not like helpless. Yeah. I just am terrible right now. Yeah. You just need to practice. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I love that sentence. I'm not helpless. I'm just terrible right now. Like that is, that is such an artist mentality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of sentence, like I'm not helpless. I'm just terrible right now. Like that feels triumphant, but that could also be like the bummeriest bummer. Like I know I how was, you mean it. Oh, I was, I was definitely like just, conf I was so confused. I just like, mean like people give up because of that thought. Oh, for sure. And for you, it's just like, now I'm definitely not giving up. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to get better. Like, I'm just terrible right now. Like that is a end of like that's a hard stop for a lot yeah. of people. I mean, and it's definitely not something, you know, I'm mo I'm definitely more vulnerable now in the sense that I'd be willing to say that out loud to people. Sure. But at back at the in the at the time I was like no one can hear this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No one there is no human ear that is allowed <laughs> to hear this. And so I um then when I, I started I, like my first relationship um, in high school, my first real girlfriend, I, after she broke up with me, I wanted to write all these songs. Yeah. And so I wrote, I wrote a couple and I was like, well, now I need to like get a guitar so I can 
yeah. you know, naturally write a song. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I started, my brother gave me like two kind of informal lessons and then I had a buddy who would kind of help me write the chords out for these couple songs that I had written. Man, that was the bug right there that I yeah. caught. And, and it was pretty just quick. The for the passion for it, yeah, yeah, caught on quick, and the the songs maybe didn't come together so quickly. But the idea but, that like that was what you wanted to commit yourself to that was like a pretty yeah at natural. least yeah, yeah yeah that I that I wanted to commit my time to it at first. Yeah. And career, I wasn't thinking about that yet because okay. as growing up LDS, my what I was committed to was going on a mission, yeah. and you know after that, getting well going to college and then getting married and having children and. You know, career I wasn't totally quite sure of yet, and I wasn't even thinking about college. I remember, I remember, um, it came time to apply for colleges, like junior senior year, yeah. and I never did. People were like, "Huh? Why didn't you apply?" And yeah. I was like, "Wait, we're supposed to do that?" Like, I That's it didn't so even funny. cross my you're mind. Like taking AP classes, and you're still just like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "College? What? <laughs> That's like, funny. why is it time now? Like, yeah. I'm going on a mission. Like, I it I didn't see. even cross yeah. my mind." You were focused on your checklist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then when I got back, it, then it came time to start thinking about what I would do. I'm and sneezing. Sorry. Go ahead. You, I was just, the okay. sneeze, it left me. Oh, I've I always get so worried that someone's going to look over at me when I'm like at the point in the sneeze where like your face looks wrong, but it's not clear yet that it's a sneeze. So it just looks like you're like, pissed or something like or that you're just like incredulous like if someone looks at you and you're like then like they're like oh you're sneezing but if someone sees you at like that very first part of the sneeze it's like what is going on eyes kind of roll back into your head and like oh yeah anyway sorry no you're good um i lost it but uh yeah then then when i um got home from my mission i I just started to think about it more and more often because mm-hmm. I thought because one of my brothers was a dentist that I should pursue dentistry because it was where the most money was made. Yeah. But as I started to think about like how I would enjoy life yeah. and what I really wanted to do. Oh, one little story I skipped when I was 16 in a Spanish class, we were asked like what we wanted to do one day and kind of off the cuff, but definitely from within I was yeah. like, I want to be a rock star. I want to sing on stage. Yeah. And like, I want, I think I said like, quote unquote, I want to be the singer of a rock band. Yeah. And that was the first time I spoke it into existence. Yeah. And at the age of 16 and I still hadn't quite picked up the guitar yet. Yeah. Um, but I was like thinking it about getting simmering. into singing. Yeah. Yeah. I just, and I just loved like, just like rock Music was like so inspiring to me that I wanted to like. Now you have that. this, this stage right. When you like saw May on stage, or you're thinking about these things, like, did did that part scare you, like in your imagination, or did you imagine yourself being fearless? I imagined myself being fearless, okay. and then when I actually got up on stage the first few times, um, well, and I rem- I remember singing in my choir. I got I got a solo. It was like a 10 second solo for, I, I joined choir my senior year of high school. It was the first time like I was in like a really more organized choir versus like church choir. And, um, I was given a, a solo along with another girl. It was the song dancing through life from wicked, cool. I think. Yeah. It and is from wicked. 
And I should can, can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> I need to like go back and actually learn the song again because there's actually this like traumatic fear of oh, listening to the song that because so I so weird. <laughs> I still like I swear because I had really bad stage fright and really bad technique until I was mm-hmm. like a senior in college. Like it's hard. I I find it hard to imagine you with bad technique. <laughs> I I can prove it. Like there are recordings and videos, but no, I had my technique was a disaster when I was in high school. And when I was starting college, I had a point. What was I going to say? Oh, when, so now I have excellent technique, right? Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, when I'm teaching my students, um, and the, if my, if any of my students are working on a piece that I worked on when my technique was bad, I have bad technique. It's like the, it's in my oh, muscle man. memory as like fear, like teenage fear. Yeah. Isn't that bizarre? So I totally know what you mean with like, oh, you got to go back and like, and then I'll be, I'll like, I'll have this moment where I'm like, I'm working on this piece. It's usually like a Broadway piece. Cause that's what I was singing in my teens. Mm-hmm. And I'll be working on something with one of my students and like, I'm, I have all this tension and then I'll like, just look at it and be like, this is a B flat. You could sing this note for 12 hours straight now. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to like reapproach it as my current self. And then I'm like, this is so easy, <laughs> but like it's right. hard when I'm not thinking about it. It's so it's, weird. Yeah. It's like this, you know, demon that you have to face. And I, but yeah, during that solo, I got up and I didn't sing. Maybe I didn't sing more than three words. Oh, I like poor baby Wes. <laughs> and I so pretended scared. the funny thing is yeah. before that I was pretending to a friend to be nervous. I was like, Oh, I'm so nervous. Like am I 10 second solo? And then I actually got up and didn't sing my oh, solo. No. And I was like, like the words just left me. And I, <laughs> like, I, I sang, to me? I sang the words feeling cool. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, which I don't even think were my words. I think it was like the girl's <laughs> oh, words. No. And, um, anyway, it was just, it was a disaster. So then that happened to me again, um, when I was in one of my college rock bands that I had started, um, with my high school buddies actually. And we played this showcase. Luckily we were, there were two performances for the, for this thing thing. And, um, so the first performance we got, I was supposed to sing the second verse. I didn't sing a word. And so then my, like, then like the lead guitarist kind of took over and started singing, (laughs) singing like some of the words and like taking over. And, um, so then the second one, like during the second performance, I was like, okay, I'm going to get it this time. Like I got the first one out of the way and I think I sang it just fine. But that's where I started to realize that I had a crippling, like that it wasn't, that it wasn't just like these, little tiny instances that it was like a crippling stage fright and that it was something that I would have to get over. So when I started my current band and became the front man, um, you know, it became apparent to me that I needed to practice, um, differently and just like practice until I couldn't mess up anymore. Yeah. Not practice until I got it, but practice until I couldn't mess up anymore. That's what I learned too. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe learned it like a tad earlier. But yeah, because I think, yeah, when you met me, I think I was 26, 27, maybe. Yeah, I was like 25-ish, so. Yeah, yeah. Might have been 26 Yeah, I think I was 27. Yeah, and so, yeah, 
but I think at that time I had figured that out, but I was still figuring out plenty of other stuff. But I think I had learned like that piece because I, I felt like you before that as well, like had really bad stage fright, maybe not. I don't know. Like I always liked to ham it up on stage when I was doing like Broadway stuff as a kid, but that's not the same as like, it's, that feels really different to me. Like if you're in a costume, that's mm-hmm. different. That's different than like you're on stage as you. Yeah. Um, that stuff sc- scared me pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and I wish I could have done that like as a, you know, kind of handed up on stage. Cause right. like, that's kind of like what I like to do now if I can. Yeah. This but, is kind of what I mean with like these random like intersections yeah. of things and like which lessons yeah. we learn when go ahead. But, but, but as a kid, I do, I also remember just being red faced and anyone tried any, anytime that anyone tried to look at me when I was performing something. Yeah. So like playing trombone, like whenever the teacher would be like, the director would just like point at me and be like, Hey, play this. And I would start to play it. Yeah, and you're like shaking, like and horrified. Oh yeah. And my face would go beat red yeah. and all the kids would start like, you know, just like, all, like you, what's wrong as a trombone this? player, you're, you're yeah. the far back. Yeah. So you're yeah. sitting in the very far back of the band and, and just like <laughs> imagine like the heads turning. Just yeah. like everyone turns and looks at you and there's, oh you know, God. 50 to a hundred kids in there. And it's like, oh, it's so interesting. It's so nerve wracking. And the, just that carried throughout so much of my early life that like I've had to like overcome yeah. that. It's, you're like, there's like a sensitivity that's just like probably really important too. Like, that same sensitivity that makes you like so worried about that kind of thing is probably also like part and parcel to like your creativity. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely like it's the opposite side of the coin mm-hmm. or something. It's definitely a sensitivity to, okay, what, what is going to reach my audience? What's going to impact my audience in the way that I would like it to. Yes. But, but I wish that there were, I wish there was a more natural sense to just let go like on oh stage, especially. Yeah, totally. Okay. So here's like the big thing that I want to talk about with you. Um, so I, I mean, again, like I, when I met you, I was your teacher. So I was seeing you in like maybe a little bit more vulnerable of a way, like, and I was like making you do stuff that was hard for you and uncomfortable. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd never done besides, you know, trombone and jazz. Yeah. I had never worked in a jazz setting, especially for voice. You know, I actually, I was applying for a new job at UVU this weekend, like a Mm. lecturer position. And I was looking for some like old videos and I found some videos of like our very first semester, um, my first semester and your first semester. Oh, wow. And you were doing that solo on chameleon. You were were improvising on that and you looked totally confident in the video. And like, I, I, yeah. Oh my gosh. But it was weird. Like, cause I, I had completely forgotten about that. And then like, just like, seriously, like, two days ago we I like found this video and then I was like <laughs> oh my gosh like it just was weird like because I didn't know I didn't know back then that you were doing any of this kind of stuff like I just didn't know mm-hmm. um I don't know it's just a weird thing and I was like I'm I remember we like clashed so hard on that solo because like I don't remember that but I'm so glad you don't remember <laughs> but I think I was like Oh yeah, I need to sing it this way. And you were like, but can you not? And I was like, but, but like, it should be this way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that at all. So I think it's out of my brain. Oh, good. If I was wrong, I'm sorry. Oh no, I, it was, (laughs) it was me trying to be 
extra slash I wanted to like maybe yeah I think I was just trying to like show off the fact that I could reach certain notes mm-hmm. and you were like but like the song merits this and oh I'm, I was trying to tell you to like focus on rhythm or something maybe or like just I think I was trying to go the octave up and you're like but like it's the but the song is originally the octave mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I see um yeah like maybe it had been like a female vocalist on the original or on the recording or something on no, the demo. The, well the recording was a, a male vocalist right. but then I was like but I can sing the octave oh up. that's <laughs> so I I don't remember that, but also like it checks out. Like (laughs) that is what I would say. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but I, it, so it ended up, I think I ended up doing like, I ended up mostly following the direction that you gave me, which I was super thankful for because, (laughs) because one big thing I've learned about performance is that just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Um, especially because if you have a three hour performance, just because you can sing, you know, a high C or whatever, you know, I only have so many high C's in me. It's not a good bang for your buck. Yeah. It's like not worth it. And that's, it's like a vanity thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know, I know that lesson too. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. (laughs) And no one's going to give you the kudos that you think they will for that high C. They're mm -hmm. just going to be like, but you were tired the rest of the night. Exactly. Yeah. It's a tough lesson to learn. It it is. I, I gotcha. Okay, so the thing I wanted the thing I wanted to ask you about, I keep getting like distracted, but <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm really enjoying talking with you. Um, yeah, so like I think I like got to know you as kind of like a more vulnerable person who like was maybe unsure about some things and you know, then just seeing you like starting to really like come into like you were you were talking about suit up soldier back then. Like that was already I mean, I think like or if not it was like right around the same time like I think as long as I've known you, that's been like a title for a band that you have. Hmm. Um, and seeing you like really step into like this band leader that you are and like the front man that you are, and even just down to like the way you style yourself and the way you talk about your brand, like your kind of, um, you know, forward facing voice, your, I mean, I mean, your like written voice, like the, like the typing voice and also your singing voice. But, um, but I mean more like the brand voice. Um, it's so, it feels so confident to me. It feels so like fleshed out, um, in a way that like, I must know from your perspective, like how, what the relationship is between these things, like what was happening behind the scenes, like how were you building this thing and building this like confidence or this thing that looks a lot like confidence, you know, like what, like, how were you doing that? What the hell Wes? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I wanted, I've always wanted to, to have that confidence on stage and to just, I don't know, just to be able to command a room and share my expression of my emotions through music and, you know, just feel that whole connection throughout the room, have people singing along and yeah, like unfettered by your own fear, like Mm -hmm. not having your kind of personal fear, like, um, inhibiting this experience. Yeah. It's like kind of everything I've always wanted to be and feel. It's like, I kind of step into that when I'm performing with my band at least. And especially when I'm performing with, material that I feel very confident with. 
Yeah. I'm so, wondering how you cultivated like the vision. Like how were you imagining this thing before it was happening? Yeah. Because it seems clear to me that you were. I was definitely thinking about it, right? Yeah. yeah. I was I definitely had this thought that this vision of okay, I'm gonna be up on stage like belting it out in front of a band. Yeah. And so so I just was kind of making sure that everything I did was always because there was a moment where I thought that I might need to become a solo artist, but I was like, no, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to be a solo yeah. artist. Um, not it's not to say that I won't pursue any solo ventures in the future. I have no idea, but you know, it's starting out. Um, excuse me, I've had to burp. I've been burping this whole time. Don't even worry about it. How dare you um, be a mammal? It's <laughs> right? just normal. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm trying to think back to the beginning, like. I, so I had, I had this band, we were called Postcard Reunion. It's also a great band name. (laughs) It's very, I don't know what to think of it now. It's just very, I don't know. It feels very happy go lucky. Like Postcard Reunion. I I just like a boy. We were like totally a boy band, (laughs) but like in the rock, in like the singer songwriter rock sense. Yeah. Um, Cause we all sang, but we tried to play rock music and so I was in this band and then, um, I was like very into the other singer of the, like the other okay. main singer, like okay. he, he and I were like the, the main singers of, cool. of postcard reunion. And then there were two other, um, guys that would also kind of okay. sing the harmonies and occasionally, occasionally some lead, but like me and this kid were like the main lead people most of the time. I was very into him and our relationship was always just like up and down, dramatic, turbulent Mm. because of that. Okay. Um, Because we always had different expectations. I think I always, before I realized that I didn't need to pursue straight people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, well, he, but he's like the only one that, that I can ever think about because we're so close as friends and I'm not supposed to be thinking about my homosexuality and were you like identifying yourself as gay back then? No, I, I just said that I had same sex attraction. I knew that I had same sex feelings, but I would never call myself gay. Okay. Um, I, it was actually not until I was married that I started identifying like as gay, like, yeah, I am a gay man. I do happen to be married to a woman, but, and my wife knew at the time, you know, she knew before we were married that, that I was, that I had same sex feelings, but it just, you know, nothing really prepares you for what that really means when you're I getting mean, married for the first nothing time. Nothing prepares you for what that means if you're both straight. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mindfuck, I think. <laughs> totally. Like, Mormonism. Huge. It was just such a huge, um, part of my experiences. And that was another thing I was going to say at the beginning was that because like, like sexuality is very, um, I guess complicated, complex I guess, is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Sexuality is very complex. And so um, we don't know why that someone is straight or why someone's gay, but you know, I'm pretty sure that looking back, I was probably gay from a very early age. I just didn't realize it. Yeah, And that formed a lot of my experiences growing up. And that's why I kind of ended up, I probably think I would have ended up in this same spot anyway Yeah, because of those experiences, yeah. because it played such a, a huge part of my formative, um, being. And, um, so anyway, back to the story, I was, I I was very into this 
other singer and it just became long story short we we were sep- we got separated okay by both too much drama there was just too much, too much tench. Drama. oh yeah a lot of tench oh so much so much <laughs> and especially when like a bunch of it, like among a bunch of musicians who are all naturally very dramatic people and just yeah. it was like <laughs> accentuated got a little too hot oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um we were so we eventually like split up like i i left the band and um in fact i left like all my whole friend group too okay um there was actually a church leader that separated us oh like wow physically and jeez he and he was also very like much trying to follow all of like his counsel too and i was too trying to follow that counsel and so yeah. we were like his counsel was like That's no crazy. you like don't talk to each other like you don't see each other you don't talk to each other nothing and um which was actually in the end ended being it in the end ended up being very good for me is that yeah grammatically correct That's fine yeah so the <laughs> So I, I, I left like my, that whole friend group, which it's, it's very interesting. He and I had like, if you look like on Facebook, we had like 500 mutual friends. Yeah. <laughs> right? wow. Like we, we grew up together okay. um, in Arizona. We, um, we, you know, shared a room together in college and it was like, we just did everything together. Okay. And so I, I had to leave like my whole friend group yeah. behind. And that was a really good new beginning for me that I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, you know, in retrospect, of course it was. And so I I moved into this new apartment with these two guys that I had never met and they both ended up having skill. One of them was a drummer and the other one, you know, happened to be pretty dang good at guitar. And so I decided that I wasn't going to leave music altogether. So I, Mm. we started, you know, the baby stages of suit up soldier before it was even the name suit up soldier. So me and this me and this drummer Hunter, we kind of started the the band. Like that's where the name started. And I I always wanted to make like quote unquote a super band. Like like where all or every single musician was really good and yeah. and just I wanted it to be a collaborative effort. I wanted like that familial yes. you hop in the van and go on a tour totally. together. It's very elusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't realize how difficult that would actually yeah. be to accomplish because you're dealing with not only yourself but four other people potentially and their more. potential spouses and mm-hmm. you know families and whatever. And as a college jobs. kid, it didn't you know you can't you can't visualize that right before you know any of you have spouses and or even are dating someone. Yeah. So. You know, I, I tried to create this this thing and I just was latching on to whoever would would join and um like whoever I would trust at least to join and, and then you know, every year we'd experience a turnover. I think Pseudo Soldier's been through like fifteen members. Yeah. And I mean, so, it's clear like now that it's like it's your band. I mean, yeah. I know you've got like loyal people in there now, but yeah, now well, and and it's interesting because I feel like Suit Up Soldier really started like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Even though I've had the name for six years, right? Like we really started like a year and a half ago, right? Or I could even say that it started with the release of our first single, Tongue Tied Twisted. Yeah. But which was two years ago. You were thinking about it before then, though, right? 
Thinking about what? The band, like what it was going to become, what you wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I kind developed. Of what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I, de- I I was definitely working on branding and um and all that. Like what I, what I you know I had a vision for what I wanted it to be, and I, and maybe that's maybe I was actually so focused on what I wanted it to be that it couldn't become a collaborative effort like I wanted because people maybe people would yours. try it. Yeah, because yeah, I kind of was making it maybe too much of my own. I mean. Or the exact right amount of your own. Sure, sure. And I, but I still didn't even know who I was. And this like, is my point. Like, how, this is what I'm asking. Like, how were you like dealing with these kind of fears and insecurities and also like developing this beautiful vision that you're now, it just, it feels like your like public kind of confidence about this project like came out of thin air. And I know hmm. that that can't be true. Hmm. So like, I mean, but maybe I just like am missing facts because I wasn't your peer back then. Yeah. And it, it was very, very slow. I experienced a lot of rejection and I still experience like a lot of local rejection yeah, with sort of soldier. Um, and it, I, I think that re- like I've always said is that, that for me, that's a challenge. Like when someone rejects me, I'm like, Oh, Oh no, really? you didn't. Okay, okay. That's I'm I'm understanding this in a new way. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, I'm 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 dying to hear your thoughts on like just yeah, how how are you doing that? Like how 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 does it feel to you to like feel this confidence about this thing that you've built and that you're building like when you don't always feel totally confident just like in your life. Yeah. Like how, you, how are you doing it? I mean, I, I would draw from, from little, like from other confidence that I had. And, and I guess I should, I should maybe preface the, this with the fact that suit up soldier wasn't always a steady. I mean, how do I put this? It was quote unquote steady, but there were stints of like, we wouldn't do anything for six months. Yeah. Maybe, up, maybe, maybe even up to a year that yeah. nothing would happen. And then we'd all of a sudden come back and like play a show or and then you would all write a, a song just or raise like how much did you raise in your Kickstarter? Oh, so this last Kickstarter, yeah, um, that was like mainly McKay, I should good, say. Good job, McKay. Right, Little he's been cutie. one of the best additions to the band. Yeah, and also like a very interesting counterpart <laughs> to me because I love the two we, of you as a, like a a dream team. We work so well together and we clash so much so and it's so great. Different. Like you, <laughs> you seem so different to me when I had, I had McKay in my group too, but you weren't in the group at the same time. No. So I like know you as these separate people and then like seeing you guys work together. Like the first time that I like realized you guys were working together, I was like, that's an odd combination. And then like, uh. it's so clear that like, it's really good. Yeah. I it's like so it. good. It's, it, it's, it's been such a great thing for the band because it's like finally I have someone who is dedicated to the craft as much as I am. So when McKay, like, as you're saying, like just nailed it on your Kickstarter, like, how do you feel? Like, what do you, do you feel like this is great? We deserve this. And I don't mean it in like a creepy way. Or do you feel like, Oh my God, like, these people believe in me. Like, yeah, oh, there's how definitely, does it feel to you? Oh, there's definitely a mix of both. It's like, oh shoot, now we like have to come through. 
Yeah. Uh, but there's, but there was definitely a sense of like, oh, thank goodness there's, there's like somebody that believes in us, you know, yeah. and, and whether that's separate, whether they believe in just McKay or just me or both of us. Mm. Um, and then Ryan as well, who's our third member of the band. Um, it's kind of on the DL right now that the other two band members have quit, but we're going to be a trio now. Yeah. Okay, cool. So cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, w- I just want to know, like, okay. How do you feel like the music? And again, I'm not like, I'm not trying to gotcha. Like I'm totally genuine, totally. Like I'm completely sincere in totally. this moment. I, I feel do like- you, do you feel like the music is like undeniable? Like, do you feel like this is excellent and like people are going to love it? Cause it feels like that's how you feel about it. I, I love that you think that. Great. Tell me everything, please. (laughs) (laughs) Because no, it's, it, for me, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of insecurity up until the release and up until people start responding to it. So are you surprised that I'm seeing it that way? Or are you like, this is how I mean for people to see it? it? There's a sense of that. There's a sense of, of me thinking, okay, this is how I intend for people to see it. Yeah. Um, especially when we opened for coin last year, yeah, we didn't even tell people, I'm, I'm sure there were some people that got, that got the hint that we were a local band, but I didn't want, like, I knew that no, oh man, there's so much, there's like so many thoughts I'm, swimming I'm in my head. I'm dying to know. I'm dying so, to understand it. So I'm like, I don't know which part of the, of the concept to start with, but, or like of the story, I guess it, but there was to, to start most of the kids in that room, like at BYU who came to that show, you know, it was a room of 2000 people. Yeah. And, and then some, yeah. Uh, coin sold out that show. And so like we, but most of the kids didn't know who we were. Yeah. They had this like illusion that you were on tour too. Exactly. Right. Yeah. With, like with coin. Right. Yeah, right. And I kind of wanted it to be that way. Yeah. Until they would come talk to us, and like, like afterwards. By the way, we're totally local. Yeah, and then for them to be like, "Oh, I didn't realize you were local." So, like, how do you have like the balls to do that? Like, that's and that's the thing that I'm wondering. Like, I I'm I've always been a very much I've always very much been a um oh my gosh words I've always <laughs> it's very Monday much been a uh, fake it till you make it type of personality. It's like the, it's like the risk taking, like it just, I've always wanted to just appear and it's, it's definitely come back to bite me. Yeah. Like the, this sense of where people on the outside feel like that. Cause like I've said before, I feel like there's a lot of people that see it as ego because I'm just trying to fake it till I can make it, even though I don't know what what I'm doing. Like it's so bizarre to me. Cause like you don't seem like an egotistical person to me. Thank you. You (laughs) seem like very vulnerable. Like, I mean like in a good way. Like you, you seem like a person that's vulnerable. Like I am surprised to hear you say that like you are faking anything because like, I don't, I don't feel like I've seen you do that. I'm see. And I guess I'm good enough at faking it that you, (laughs) that I have even (laughs) deceived Emily Merrill. Well, no, I mean like, I wonder if I'm just seeing like a different thing, like, because in the situations where I'm working with you, like I'm in charge. So yeah you're in a different role and right. and I see you as like someone who's just like, yeah, I don't see you as being egotistical or like, you know, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like you're not putting on anything. Yeah. And then like to know that you have this like separate skill, like it boggles me a tiny bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, um, 
I think because I've always wanted, wanted to, you know, tour with a rock band so badly, it's like, I just get into that mode of, you know, when I'm releasing a song or, you know, even creating the song. And especially when I'm on stage that I'm able to kind of create that persona of being like, I, I guess, I guess I'm so, I'm, I'm so, um, like maybe I should say insecure and, um, you know, try to, I like, I like to think that I'm like a fairly chill person in most settings, except for like when I can be a very obsessive compulsive, (laughs) but you know, like in general, my, my, my like personal life is very, um, not showy. Yeah. And so then like being up on stage is my chance to like, just get all of that energy out, that pent up energy and just being and releasing music as a band. And, and that's why like a lot of our songs are very energetic because it's like my personal life sometimes just can feel um, mundane or something, maybe mundane or just like, I know my personal life is crazy. Like it's absolutely insane sometimes, but, but I don't, but I don't, I don't express that, that energy in my personal life. Yeah. I, you know, I think part of the reason I'm so interested in this is I feel like I understand like a lot of it. Like I feel, I feel a similar way. Like I feel like I have these like facets of my personality that are like very big and bright and shiny and kind of magical. And then like the, the part, you know, the, the parts of myself that like live and walk in the world most days are like a different kind of a thing. But I have a really hard time like believing in that other thing, even though I like totally know it's there. Um, and yeah, I think I feel like, I think I feel like, you know, if you privately are like, I'm not totally sure that the music's undeniable, but like publicly you like, you, it looks so seamless. Like it, it looks like you really believe that the music's undeniable and and sometimes I feel like that's the thing that makes it undeniable. Maybe. You know, but I, <laughs> I definitely, know. like I believe in our music, but I, but, and, and just like, especially because these songs specifically, we've, we've kind of sat with them for so long because you know, this is our first, this is our debut album, yeah. you know, and if I started the band six years ago, you can imagine how much material yeah. That we could have been working with over time. Mm-hmm. So it's like I've written hundreds of songs, but then like the ten These that are, are the on the album ones, are yeah. the ones that people have have gravitate. Have, like as I've performed over the years, that people have come up to me after shows and been like, yeah. "Dude, what was that song?" It seems like you're getting the timing just right, which is oh, also pretty so. pretty cool. I mean, when's the album out again? May fourteenth. It's coming like right now. Oh yeah, this is We've perfect got timing. A couple weeks. So, so like a couple weeks ago, when I was like, I need to interview Wes, I was thinking like. I should interview him before his album comes out. So I'll try to make sure that this interview comes out bef- like maybe that around week the time or something. Or like That'd be great. Sure. Yeah. I mean, let me remember we could use, we could use any, um, and all promotion yeah. possible. And I well, would be honored. I'm excited about it. Like, I feel like, thank you. I feel like it feels undeniable to me. Like when I hear it, I'm just like, this is so good. And like, I'm really picky. <laughs> I really like it. Um, and I I think it's like excellently done and it's excellently like packaged. Yes. And thank you for being part of the background vocals on like what three of the songs. My honor, my total privilege. 
It was really fun. Um, is there anything else that you like want to talk about? Like any other stuff that's just like floating around in your like art brain that you're like, oh, I've been dying to like get this out of, out of my system. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There was, there was a few things that we talked about that, that I almost was tempted to delve deeper in, into. And so I'm, you can, or like anything you just like want to talk about with me, like just as a friend, cause we haven't talked sure. in weird. We couldn't figure out how long it's been. Yeah, it's a, it's been months at it least. It could have been months, and it could have been over a year. Yeah, don't remember. Um, well, I know I know that I'm really passionate about the business side of things, and so, um, we didn't really get a chance to delve too much into that. But, um, I, yeah, where do I where would I start with like the business side of things? I, I feel like, for on the music side. On especially like with Suit Up Soldier, I'm finally starting to figure out my own identity, which is allowing me to develop an artist identity as well. Yeah. And there's definitely like a quote unquote persona, you know, that I'm allowed to put on or that I maybe allow myself to put on. Yeah. But but you know, I'm channeling a lot of like the emotions and and feelings and identity from my personal life to kind of create this. Yeah, it's like the persona is like a filtered version of your actual self, which it needs to be. I mean, I don't just mean for you. I just mean like I think in general for people who perform well because our actual regular selves get tired and grumpy and like bored and you're not you can't do that. Yeah, like that's just so it's so unfair to an audience to like show up unenthused. Right. You can't be like actually authentic because that would mean that sometimes you're like, (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) <laughs> and that's not acceptable. So right. yeah, right. it's like, it's as authentic as it can possibly be yeah. and still be like excellent and consistently. So, yeah. And I mean, authenticity more as, more as like who you are as a person yeah. versus like how you feel in, in different right. moments. Right. Right. Uh, Cause yes, I, I understand that emotions can be finicky and fragile and, but, but who I am as a person is, is like, you know, mostly intrinsic, at least I believe at this point in time. And, you know, who I am, like I am like the labels that I give myself uh, now um, are ones that I have accepted and or chosen um, deliberately. Like I'm, I'm living my life with a purpose now, like at least, sorry, let me rephrase that. I'm living my life on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And like doing things purposefully instead of just like passively accepting things that I was told to do or, um, or taught to believe. And so now I'm living my life, you know, I, I, I know I'm a, a father and a musician and I'm gay and I, uh, probably have really, major OCD and like I'm learning to accept all of these things about me yeah and be more unapologetic about it yeah I feel like yeah I mean again this is part of why I wanted to talk to you because I feel like I'm doing that same stuff but I feel like you're better at it than me (laughs) nope I think I feel like you're better at it than me so we need to go to lunch and we need to talk more about this and maybe we can maybe we're both good at parts of it sure sure (laughs) No, and I, um, so I, I, I've always been passionate about like, 
you know, what makes someone successful? And now that I'm delving more into music, I've been passionate about, okay, what makes a musician successful? And, um, some of my, yeah, sure. Some of my advice to, to other people is anecdotal, but some of it definitely checks out. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. for, for instance, like today's day and age is kind of a singles game. It doesn't mean you can't release an album like we're doing mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but, um, but a lot of artists who approach me, like when I'm in the, in the, when I'm in like the producer's chair or the audio engineering chair, I get a lot of musicians who approach me and they're like, okay, I want to record a, like I have $2,000. I want to record a full album. And I'm like, whoa there, buddy. Like, let's put on the brakes. First of all, you need 20. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't, they don't realize like yeah. that, it, you know, if this is just a hobby for them, sure. Let's just like live track an album yeah. for 2000 bucks and then just put it out there. Yeah. Great. But, um, most of the time it's, it's just so much more worth it, worth your time to, okay, take, give play all of your songs for me. Let's choose the best one, produce that one for 2000, put it out. And that's something that I finally did with my music. Cause there, you probably don't know this because we've loosely hit it, hidden it from the public. Okay. We, I released a demo, um, EP yeah. No, back I in like 2018. Knew that. Okay. Yeah. So w- basically what happened is we tried to record this album like three different times. Yeah. And you know, life happens and yeah. it was, and it sucks. Yeah. And so like, I think after the first or second time trying to record it, I was like, okay, well let's just release like some of these demos that I put together. Yeah. Gotta, I, gotta re- I have to release something. Yeah. And I think that was in 2018. And then, um, but I was like, kind of, I think it had been a year since we had tried to record the album. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready to get back in the saddle. Let's do this. Um, I called up Gavin McMahon. Um, he was like drumming for us at the time and he was becoming, he was kind of stepping into being a full-time producer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hey, like let's, you've played this song before tongue tied twisted. Like let's produce this one fully. And and, you know, really it used to be it, kind right? of like a pop punk song, like emo punk, like let's make it a pop, like it needs to be a pop song. That's kind of what it calls for. Yeah. Like, let's make it what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And we went to work, created like three or four different versions and settled on the one that, that was done that we have now. And, you know, I spent about two grand on that song. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is that I haven't had to spend a lot of money on the marketing side because the song is marketed itself. Right. And then all of the other songs that we've created have kind of been more, um, you know, in the indie context of where we haven't really put in the same amount of time and money. Okay. Yeah. Um, at least into the right places. Like we didn't really hire a producer okay. for any of these other songs. We, yeah. we, Mitch Davis kind of okay. from who worked at Solarium. Yeah. I don't know if you ever Are knew you, him. Yeah, I know Mitch. He kind of like, by default ended up becoming, you know, a co-producer on a lot of the tracks. Well, we we recorded most of the stuff like on our own and some of the stuff at June. Okay. Um, and then Mitch was, Mitch became like our mastering engineer. I honestly forget why. Oh, he, there was like a, um, commercial music expo. I was going to say that's where I met him at that commercial music expo because I was teaching there too. And he was like, yeah, I'm a producer and I'm stepping into mastering now. And so then he, actually 
filled in a little, some of the holes on Tongue Tie Twisted, master, okay. mastered the song. Okay. And I loved his work, so we continued to work together. Okay. So he kind of became like fill-in producer whenever like, like I would get this stuck. Needs something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, yeah, I just, but but like knowing my prop because I was kind of alone with Tongue Tie Twisted, um, I was able to control the process a lot more. And mm-hmm. then after that, working with the band, it was actually a lot more difficult because like they had different ideas, ideas and expect yeah. expectations of how the process would go. Right. And it ended up being actually kind of a terrible, um, kind of a, like w- when we were trying to mix the, the rest of the album, like the second half of the album at June audio, it was, it was clearly, you know, more pieced, together okay kind of in a yeah you know like in a negative sense like it was like very much not as organized as as like the first songs that i put out because i, I had mm-hmm. less control over the process sure. and that's why i just do everything by myself because i'm get <laughs> i get paranoid about that kind of yeah thing. and it's it's hard to sometimes be a team player when you're like yeah. when you're kind of just used to being that person that does the group projects on your own and so i've had to learn how to how to give up that control while still being able to express yeah. um, my concerns and feelings and thoughts and be, and to just to, to work in a group setting and be like, Hey, um, I get it. We all have different ideas and expectations. We can work with yours and that's totally fine. But it, it, I've had to learn how to, instead of being a pushover to be like, yes, yeah. we can go with your idea, but let me at least express what I'm feeling first. Yeah. It's hard. It's really yeah. hard. I I get very insecure about that. Like mm-hmm. that piece is the hardest thing for me. Harder than stage presence. Harder than, you know, singing for a thousand hours. Um, like talking about the my vision for the music with other musicians is so hard for me. <laughs> well, and <laughs> it's I really, don't... really vulnerable. For sure. And it might be, I don't know if you've had a lot of experiences doing that outside of Utah, but I have. Yeah. But, um, for me, are you saying it's harder here? I, I don't know. I yeah, don't, but I think it is, but it's I, it's been harder for me here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause for whatever reason, um, there are fewer, I find fewer musicians here who are just kind of like, at least on the level that, you know, you and I are at, like, in terms of where you see term, your stuff going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we're not just hobbyists, I'm very right? That you see me that way as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I see you as, as a superior, but oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, but I, but just like on the level of w- what I mean by that is like, Oh no, how talented we are. I just no, mean no. like level as in vision. How much you care about it. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I knew you meant. And I feel like you are, I feel like you are, better at that than me <laughs> thanks <Yeah>. but <laughs> I, I just uh, but with I'm with trying. like people who with people who are in that same mindset yeah there are very few of them who are willing to just collaborate right to just sit and listen yeah and give feedback and vice versa and let you give feedback and i just yeah. run into a lot of people who are like all right fork over the money and i'm like oh, yeah man. people are either too independent to collaborate or mm-hmm like just not motivated, like do not care, like do not exactly. care at all. Yeah. I, I don't like think they just it's don't, that normal. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I feel like there's, 
there's definitely a sense of like, because I, I don't, I'm trying really hard not to name names. Yeah. But with pe- certain people I've worked with, yeah. it's very much just like, okay, you booked the time, you paid me, I'm done. Yeah. I have no other investment in No, I have experienced that project. exact same thing. And it's like, look, I'm just, I just want you to care a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think it is kind of a Utah thing. And I, and I don't feel like I've like cracked it. Like I have, I don't know, but I do feel like when I was living in like the Dallas Fort Worth area that everyone was equally kind of visionary about their own projects, but they were also visionary about each other's projects. Cool. And I feel like that's not something I see that much here. Like, and people would be like high on their own projects, but also like I totally want to be part of what like that guy's doing. Like, yeah. and just like psyched on like someone else's project too. Like mm. it wasn't like a binary. It was like, you know, any given person was like psyched on their own project and also deeply like committed to like maybe one or two other projects. Yeah. And I, and I feel like I used to be that way, but unfortunately now I feel like I, I'm guilty of, mm not being like a super great collaborator except for outside of, you know, I, I, when I'm producing for other artists or engineering for them, that's when I can, that's when I kind of put on that collaborator hat. might feel like that just because of timing, like just because your project is demanding your full attention. That's true. Like it might not always be like that, you know, like if you're not like coming right up on like an album release, like you might have a little bit more bandwidth for That, that makes sense. I feel flickers of it. Like there are definitely times when like I did a collaboration a couple of years ago that I really loved with um, this pianist from Logan, Dan Tate. Um, He's a classical pianist, but had written some songs that needed vocals. And I felt like that, like I collaborated in like a big way. I'm like the main singer on the record and I didn't write any of it. It's all his music. Um, And I took it really seriously and like really tried to like, you know, take the music like into my heart and like really understand it. Um, and it was like a great experience. Um, and I feel like, you know, I think about it sometimes and wonder if it was just like good timing, but I feel like if the right, like if any other kind of right person reached out to me and was like, I need you to believe in my project. Like, I think I would do it again, you know, but it have to be the, Mm. it would have to be like the right, it'd have to be someone that I'm like, I believe in this project because it's like really good. It's believable. Right. Something that you can feel passionate about too. I feel like that about your stuff. Like, I mean, if you ever needed like live backup vocals, like I would love to like learn your stuff really well and like get all the cutoffs perfect, you know? That'd be so fun. (laughs) It would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. When we, when we, yeah, I should say when, right? Not if. So when we are financially stable as a band, (laughs) we would love to hire tons of tons of fantastic musicians i would love to be like a a backup singer for someone who i think is awesome like and and like i said just like get all the cutoffs perfect and be like Mm -hmm. i know exactly how much vibrato the lead person does on this and like (laughs) i feel like i would like i would love to do that so much Uh, i love that um okay as we're kind of closing up what do you want to say about this album let's end there like oh yeah Um, what do you want to tell people about it Mm-hmm. or whatever you can say check up with something else if you want yeah um let's see what is important to me about this album that i want everyone to know um this first album is 
more of my work and the we actually have kind of another album in the works right now awesome. and it's very much more collaborative in fact mckay has written a lot of the music so That's far great. for it and this first album is kind of more my songwriting um mixed in with like the creative Ar- input like arranging input. of yeah. of you know mckay and and even ryan and and I, I've put a lot more of my personal life like into this. It's yeah. a personal story into this album. Interestingly, interestingly enough, it's so cryptic yeah. <laughs> that like you would miss it if, yeah. if you weren't watching for it. Yeah. But you know, there's, but I guess my point is like, there's so much of me personally in this album that I hope that like that, that alone can be what inspires people to catch on. I love that. I think that's a beautiful thought. Um, okay. I always close with two questions. Number one, on this day, what's your dream collaboration? It could be, it doesn't have to be music. It could be like, you know, some other kind of artist you'd love to work on something with, or you can assemble a whole team. Who would you, what's mm. your dream, dream collaboration? Hmm. I have two ideas. Great. Go for it. I would, uh, in music, I would love to work with Haley Williams. She's so good. She's crazy good. And she's like our age. I, what, how can I even fit that in my brain? Right. Yeah. But she's been like an icon since she was like 16. I swear. She's been an icon since she was like 13. Oh, she's so good. So I, I would love to work with her. Um, and, um, hold on. There's a male vocalist that I would, that I was thinking of the other day. Maybe Brendan Urie. Also um, a dream. Yeah. Or like I've been getting super into the 1975 lately. Like love to work with them. Um, who else is a fantastic vocalist? I don't know. Just right. Let's just say for now, Haley Williams, like just if I only had okay. one choice, right. Okay. On the music side. Um, then I would like on the design side of things. I was going to say, I can picture you like collaborating with like a fashion brand. I would, well, I would just love to work with the guys from Queer Eye. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm pretty sure. You should do that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Tan France lives in Utah. He he definitely does. So like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's gotta be a way that I can collaborate with those guys. I think so. Like I would love, so my my uh current boyfriend and I we always like talk about our dream home like our yeah. like our dream cat it's a it's a cabin it's yeah. not a home it's a cabin cool a cabin uh, can be um a home. and it's like if I could just get the guys from queer eye to come in and just collaborate with <laughs> me on building my dream home gold accents on everything and the uh. walls are all black yeah they they do everything like so beautifully masculine like <laughs> do you know what i mean like yeah all their designs are like so masculine but stunning right yeah right you know like it's just enough femininity that's like that it's brings in that you know mm, uh, yeah the stunning side of yeah the masculinity. it's like it's like mask pinterest 
you know, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yep. I'm really into it too. Um, and then finally tell everybody where to find you, like your, your website, your handles, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so for now, oh, and that's another interesting thing is that my personal brand is kind of suit of soldier right now. I, like until I yeah. p- eventually maybe create my sure. personal brand. Right. But I meant the band. Yeah, yeah. But, but I just think that's weird. It's like, I don't really have like a person, like suit of soldier is my personal brand. Yeah. So, um, it, it's your band. It's your band. So, yeah. I mean, I try to, I try not to say like, Oh my band, because like now it is definitely like me, McKay and Ryan. I like, just it's mean definitely like, like, it's your, like, I don't mean it's your band more than it's their band. Right. I just mean it's your it's the thing that you it's my brainchild it's well i just mean it's like the place where your creativity goes sure exactly yeah. it's like my outlet right now for yeah. creativity so yeah. um anyway you can find so at suit up soldier underscore is okay. our instagram handle okay at suit up soldier underscore and on facebook just suit up comma soldier and the comma is very important um, um tell everybody the name of the album the album is called Curse the Day I Act My Age. Such a great title. Thank you. Um, and then it's out on May 14th. May 14th. Okay, everybody, get the album. Listen to the album. Get the album. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, did you say your website? Um, SuitUpSoldier.com. Okay, and um, go get merch there. <laughs> yes, please. We could, after all the COVID shenanigans, we could Dude, use some capital to. I can't even tell you how much. Fuel a career. I can't even tell you how much I feel that <laughs> um, <laughs> me but, and like my several bins of shirts. <laughs> oh yeah. We have, I think we just did an inventory the other day and it's like, oh, man, like we if have, we could turn these shirts so into cash. It would really help. Right. <laughs> we have so much inventory and how are we out of XLs? Dang it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I feel that in my bones. Well, Wes, it was so lovely to talk with you. Thank you, you so too. much. Yeah. Thank you, Emily, for Absolutely. having me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.